When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I will be continuing our series on coping with the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of mental health and family and changes. And today I'll be talking with Nancy Levin, who is a speaker author about boundaries. She runs workshops and does coaching, and her most recent book is called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. And part of why I wanted to talk to her is that I feel like when you're in difficult circumstances, it becomes even more apparent the need for setting boundaries appropriate boundaries just to take care of yourself. And I was telling her, I don't think I learned about boundaries and the concept until I was in my 20s. And when I did, it really was a a important mental shift in just what part do I play in different scenarios that might frustrate me or cause me distress. So I really loved talking to Nancy Levin, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I want to give a shout out to Other World Computing, who is sponsoring this podcast, a company that provides anything you need for your Mac, whether it be accessories or upgrades. You can get whatever you need at Other World Computing, and I appreciate them helping sponsor the show. Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So one of the fun bonuses when I reached out to talk to you is I got to read your book and it's been in my mind big time. It's interesting how really powerful books like this. So your book is setting boundaries will set you free. I need to read it again, like slower, you know, and go through the full process. (laughs) I was making sure I was prepared to talk to you. Um, But I love how you have so many steps, right? Like, and just really, if you want to learn how to do this better, this is what you can do. Um, How did you sort of first get into this work of boundaries? Well, you know, there's the old saying, we teach what we need to learn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I will say that boundaries have been a through line of my work beginning. And it really originated out of the fact that I, of course, had none. And, you know, 
here's the truth. We weren't taught how to set boundaries in our lives. We certainly weren't even taught that we were allowed to have anything like a boundary. Right. And so for me, the experience became that I was really living this life of being a people pleaser, an overachiever, a peacekeeper, wanting to avoid conflict at all costs. And that I was really living an other reference life. So I was constantly abandoning myself for the sake of everyone else. And in some ways, this really served me. So for example, I was the event director for Hay House Publishing for 12 years. And part of what actually made me exceptional at my job was having very fluid and porous boundaries because I was just the get shit done girl and I could get anything done for anyone at any time. And I was just chasing all the gold stars, chasing the accolades, chasing the validation and got it. Yeah. And yet in my marriage, having no boundaries was really the great pitfall because I never learned how to stand in my own power, never learned to have my own voice. And the truth of the matter was that, you know, I was married to an abusive man, a rageful man. And so I simply, in order to keep the peace, in order to not rock the boat, I acquiesced, I sublimated my own wants and needs and desires in service of his. And along the line, I essentially lost myself. And so- a big piece of my healing was actually being able to understand where I end and someone else begins. Yeah. And that's the boundary point. I love it. I still, I, so I also was not someone who had any boundaries or I don't even think it was like a word. So I still remember where I was standing when I heard the word and I was like, my friend was explaining it to me because I was sort of going through that early twenties, like separating from your parents, like, but my parents want me to do this. And And so she was talking about boundaries and I was like, come again. Like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I remember like the mental shift that happened in that moment of like, oh shit, like what, what am I supposed, you know, that I didn't even know that was available. And so it's been an ongoing process to continue. That's one of the things I like that you point out in your book, it's maintenance. And I think one of the things that I'm realizing through this COVID-19 period of time is because our whole world has kind of like been put in a Cuisinart, um, there's all kinds of new boundaries to set. So I thought, oh, look it, I can say no to events at the school. If I don't want to do it, I say no. But then because the world has become, so I had a lot of practice in that. And now we have all these new things going on. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the things that you're noticing with your clients or in your own life that given the circumstances of the world right now, like we're really having to, to strengthen those boundary muscles? Yes. So a couple of things. First, what I'm noticing about this time is it's really seems to be illuminating and highlighting changes that we've wanted to make in our own lives, but haven't had the courage or the confidence to make up until now. And so this time is sort of acting like a catalyst to have ourselves say, you know, what have I been waiting for? Or if not now, when? Or what have I got to lose? 
And I think that in the beginning of this time, as life was in a Cuisinart, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we were of this mindset. Well, first of all, we were of the illusion that life prior had any kind of certainty. Because at the beginning of all this, we were talking about the uncertainty and the unknown. And the truth is, that has always been there. We've just been living under this illusion that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to recognize that in uncertainty and in the unknown is where opportunity is born. This is where our resilience and our resourcefulness can really take hold. We have options available to us that haven't been available before. And the other thing that I'm really recognizing is that now that we're, you know, at this point, I know that I, as we're recording this, I've now been home for, you know, eight weeks. And now that we're in this, and now that the prognosis is that we're looking at, you know, a much longer period of time than we anticipated, you know, we're looking at not months, we're looking at, you know, years, you know, or at least a year and a half, two years. There's no more waiting for this to be over. There's an, what I really want to, what I really want to impart is like, this is our life. This just Mm. happens to be what's going on right now. This is not time out of time. And this is not, this is not time that doesn't count. Mm -hmm. So that all being said, I've heard from some people that setting boundaries during this time feels a little easier because they can kind of rely on the sort of training wheels or the backdrop of the pandemic to say no, as you were saying before, yeah. you know, or that, that it feels a bit easier to be able to say no. I mean, I was even surprised. My 18-year-old niece was telling me that a friend of hers was like, hey, let's go hang out. You know, this is all BS. Let's just go whatever. And she's like, no, people are dying. I don't think that this is BS. I think this is real. And I'm choosing to, you know, I'm choosing to stay home. Yes. And she's, she had said to me, like, that would have been harder to say at another time, but because there was sort of like, there was sort of the, the backdrop of the pandemic, it feels easier to say no to things. Right. I almost wonder if what you were saying about that certainty that we like the illusion of certainty that we had before, because we were all so busy, it kind of can cover that up. It's easy. I've noticed that for myself. It's easy to forget that people die, that people get sick, that people, um, that there's sadness and racism and economic strife. It's just easy to forget when you're just run into soccer practice and like, well, we got to get the food and we got to do it. So I almost think it's providing a point where people are seeing more. Yes, because we're slowing down. It's, it's quieter in some ways. We're getting a broader scope of, of what's happening. And we're able to make some different choices right now. And so, you know, everything from what, what I'm seeing is everything from people who are now, you know, a whole bunch of people in a house together where that wasn't the case, you know? Mm-hmm. So I look at like me and my sister, we're living the opposite experiences. I live alone. This is my natural state. My sister now has her husband working from home, her, her daughter home from university and her son home from high school and the dog, you yeah. know? <laughs> 
So she's I got a whole know. house yes, full. Yes, I do know. Right. So, that, right. so <laughs> she's got like the whole house full. Mm-hmm. And she's like, life feels more busy and more full right now than it ever has. And she said, but I'm still finding the time to meditate. I'm still finding the time to do the things that I want to do because I'm making them a priority. And so part of it is also educating and informing the people with whom you're sharing space. You know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to go into the bedroom for half an hour. I'll come out when I'm finished. Yeah. You know, or I'm going to go do this and I'll let you know when I'm done. So not about asking for permission. There is a collaborative approach, especially if it's little kids and you've got to manage the taking care of them. But it's still, this, isn't, this is not an excuse to let your good rituals and routines and practices and habits disappear. This is actually the time to double down on the practices that you know will bring you some peace and help support any feelings of anxiety or depression or fear. So, uh, you know, whatever that might be, I'm seeing that now more than ever, people are noticing I do, my nature might be to caretake everyone else, Mm -hmm. but in this time, I'm realizing that if I don't actually make myself a priority, I'm going to snap. And the bonus feature of this continuing to go on, if there's yeah. a silver lining, is that we get a redo each day. That if it didn't yep. go well, that's right. You know, like yesterday was a shit show. This went wrong. What can we do yep. differently? And what boundaries can I tweak or set right. in the first place? So yep. we got lots of tries. We've got lots of tries. And you know what I'm hearing from a lot of people too is there is this inherent nature of wanting to caretake and manage and take responsibility for someone else's experience over our own. Mm-hmm. And this is the shift that really needs to happen so that we're actually considering ourselves first, which doesn't mean that we're not considering anyone else. It simply means that we're willing to consider our own needs and wants and desires first. So that the first thing we think of is, is not, if I say no, I'm going to, you're going to feel disappointed. Rather, if I say no, I'm going to feel more free. Yeah. And so that's where we want to be able to come into this. So one of the big things that I've been hearing is people saying, well, I can't, you know, so-and-so says they want to have a Zoom with me or a call with me. And I can't say no because they know I'm at home. Mm -hmm. Just because you're available doesn't mean that you have to say yes. Right. And it can be a simple no with grace and gratitude thanks so much for reaching out. This isn't going to work for me, or I'm not available, or I'm not up for our conversation, or Mm -hmm. I'll reach out when I'm ready to talk or whatever it might be. But it doesn't have to be a song and a dance or even an excuse or a story. It can simply be a no. That's one of the ones I've been working on because I actually didn't even know this about myself that these Zoom, I can do this like a one-on-one Zoom and that feels very good. The multiple people Zooms, Yep. makes my brain explode. And I didn't yeah. even know that about myself. So yep. I had to notice, okay, that didn't feel good. Right. Even though these are people I love, right. it didn't feel great. So I'd rather not. But if you'd like to have a phone call with me one-on-one, that sounds fantastic. I would love to talk to you. Great. Um, or even FaceTime. I had to explain to my mom, I don't love it. Like I love talking to her. I want to talk yep. to her, but I, because I yep. answer the phone doesn't mean I also want to FaceTime. And I think it's just, and some people that won't bother them at all, you know? 
I think for sure some limits around technology and also around media, you know, intake. And this is a big boundary that, that people are working with now. Mm-hmm. I think I should actually say here the way I define boundaries. Okay. <laughs> so I define, yeah, I define boundaries as the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, tolerate, or accept. So my boundaries are very personal to me and yours are personal to you. There may be some overlap, but what works for me might not work for you or vice versa. So really essentially our boundaries are in essence, what's okay and what's not okay. Here are some really important pieces. A boundary is not about wanting someone else to change. So a boundary is not about someone else's behavior changing. A boundary is simply the stating of what's okay for me and what's not okay for me and what I'm going to do to take care of myself. And so that's the maintenance piece that you alluded to before. And that's what's crucial because the biggest, the biggest myth going about boundaries is that someone else crosses our boundaries. Mm. So I hear this from clients time and time Mm -hmm. again, I set a boundary, but he or she keeps crossing it. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. They, people will do what they do. We have no control over what people do. We only have control over ourselves. So the boundary is about, you know, something as simple as even saying like something like to your mom of, you know, I feel really, I feel really pressured when you FaceTime me. So I'm just letting you know, moving forward that in order to take care of myself, I'm only going to answer if it's a phone call to, because so there you're not telling her what to do. Mm-hmm. You're letting her know how you feel and when you'll answer. Mm-hmm. That's harder. <laughs> Tell me why. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting. So um, I think it's harder because I don't want to sound unkind, but I know it's kind to give clarity. You know what I mean? I think I don't know that. Yeah. What is, I, somebody said that recently, kind is clear. Like being, it was, Brene Brown said said something about that, about, you know, yeah, that like we think boundaries are mean, you Mm -hmm. know, but really what we're saying, what clear communication is kind. Yes. And you know what? So this is another way you helped me. So I was reading your book the other day and one of the issues I've been struggling with during this time is getting texts that kind of jack me up. Like, mm-hmm. and the hard part with texts is that unless you block someone, you need to kind of read them, you know, if there's, group. Yeah. and so, um, but I loved your part in the book about um, sort of trading in the short-term discomfort of setting yep. that boundary for the yep. long-term resentment. And that's, yep. I mean, it's all very confronting information because it's like, you all, it's almost in some ways, it feels easier to let it be somebody else's thing. Like, why are they doing that? But really it's on me to say, I can't keep having this happen. Here's what's going on with me. It jacks me up. My anxiety goes through the roof and I just can't process it right now. Yep. And the responses I got from setting that boundary were very loving. In the moment, it felt, oh, I I just so uncomfortable. Right. Um, And that's a great example. You know, like I'm just letting you guys know I love you and I'm removing myself from this text thread because mm -hmm. I can't keep, I can't keep receiving this information. Yes. You know? And then you're not, you know, what it does is it moves you out of blame and victim. Mm -hmm. 
And then it puts you into responsibility and empowerment. And when we're in that space of taking responsibility and empowerment for ourselves and our own experience, we're out of that blame and victim game, right. which to me is way better. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, and it might be, it might be a, it might be an awkward conversation, but it actually gets easier because the conversation is about taking responsibility for how I feel, mm-hmm. not tell, not saying to, not saying to these people, don't text me anymore. Right. Or not saying to your mom, don't FaceTime me. What you're simply saying is I get caught off guard by the FaceTiming or I get caught off guard by these text threads and I notice that it just like jacks my system. So mm-hmm. in order for me to actually have some inner peace, I'm here, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it sets ourselves, it sets us up for success, but here's the thing. Then we have to put our money where our mouth is and mm-hmm. do what we say we're going to do. Right. So that means the next time that a FaceTime comes in from your mom, you don't answer and you, you know, and you maybe call her back, you know, yes. on the phone or yes. whatever that might be. But we, if we, if we verbalize a boundary to someone else, we have to be willing to keep the maintenance part. We have to be willing to keep that up. Otherwise we're the little girl who cries wolf. Right. No, it makes, it makes complete yeah. sense. And I think that, I think everybody, what, what I find challenging, and this goes back to what you were saying about taking care of yourself first, not, not yep. dismissing what everybody else is going mm-hmm. through. But I think what's challenging is for me, knowing everyone is going through a difficult time, it can feel difficult to sometimes say what I need. I'm still doing it, but it, it mm-hmm. feels difficult because you know they're hurting too, but maybe in some ways it's showing them, you can also do this for yourself. If I'm doing something exactly. that is backing you up, please let me know because that, I don't want that to be happening. Yep. I do think, I do think that is true. I think the communication of our boundaries gives other people permission to name theirs as well. And I look at, I look at naming our boundaries as a very loving practice because the way I look at it is back to what we were saying about the clear communication is kind I look at it like I'm giving you pieces of my puzzle. I'm giving you pages of my operating manual. I'm letting you know more about how I work and, and what works for me. And that is a really important element of connection and intimacy. Yeah. And I think it's a gift to show I care about you enough to show yep. you that part of myself and to it kind is. of say, I'm not maybe as tough as I seem. Like this is actually upsetting me. I'm human also. And, mm-hmm. and I want this relationship to work. So I'm going to tell you these things. Exactly. Otherwise you can just avoid people if, if, right. if you know, right. oh, that's not a good match. Right. But if you come in with like a real intent of in order to honor our relationship, I feel strongly about sharing this with you. Yes. You know, from that place. And then, you know, there's also the boundaries that we really need to keep with ourselves around, you know, around our, not, our own non-negotiables, really looking at what have we been tolerating that's intolerable or what mm-hmm. have we been accepting that's unacceptable or what are the promises to ourselves, the commitments to ourselves that we've been breaking? You know, what's the, you know, if I say I'm, you know, cutting off internet at, you know, seven o'clock and it's 10 o'clock and I'm still online, you know, what, 
what needs to happen so that I actually start keeping my promise to myself so I know I can trust myself. And I've noticed even with my kids having mm-hmm. read, I mean, I need to keep your book in my ears and just <laughs> listen and keep it because it's easy to kind of just go off track. But even like, I need something to eat. Well, no, I'm not doing that right now. Yep. Lunch was lunch and you can find something. I'm not preparing anything right this moment. And I right. think even just in those small moments, it can kind of feel like grounding to know there's more choices and more options. And these are people who can live with these. I mean, they're not babies. They can figure out how to right. eat. They can, exactly. They can yeah. figure it out. And yeah. I think that that's another beautiful element of this time. Uh, my sister was telling me that she's like, teaching her 15 year old son life skills. Like, here's how you do the laundry. Here's how you do like, you know, all these things. And oh, I'm I always like, label it. I always say <laughs> hashtag homeschooling. Like whenever right, anything- I love it. Yeah. I'm putting all my wins on the board. I know. I love it. I do. I love it. And I well, think it's, I think it's important. Yeah. And even when it comes down to my son was asking for something and he was like, did you talk to dad about that? And I said, yeah, we decided that's not going to happen. And he, nothing I was saying was a valid, valid reason from his mm-hmm. point of view. And so I ended with, and I, I felt the boundary line coming up and I said, you know what, because that's a parental decision that we've made the end, you know, and it's just, but you can find yourself getting hooked on one of my friends, Maggie called it getting on the hook, you know, like you get hooked and you're just, yeah, of course. And you're spiraling and it's just, it, it feels better and it's better for the other person. I'm not going to keep doing this game with you and keep rolling in the mud. And that's why, you know, in the book, I give really clear formula for scripts mm-hmm. and, you know, something, you know, something that I call in there, the, the company line, mm-hmm. which really is like, it's a parental decision and we've made it. Yes. You know, and then blah, 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 blah. It's a parental decision and we've made it, you know, and then it's not about going down the rabbit hole. It's not about escalating into an argument or a fight. It's just, here's where we are. Yeah. I love that. Um, I saw, this is kind of shifting gears, but I saw that you um, teach at Kripalu sometimes. I do. Oh, I love that place. I feel like I would like to go there and just, I've only been once, but I'd like to go there and just ride it out. Just have them feed me and do some yoga and... Well, they, I mean, it's, I, too, I was supposed to teach there at the end of March. I saw that and one, And I'm yeah. supposed to teach there in the middle of July. Okay. Both, both of these have been um, postponed until further notice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I love that place. I just, yeah. uh, I don't know where that thought came from. I'm just looking at my notes here to see if there's anything else that, um, one of the lines I loved in um, the book, one of the quotes, the only time you can um, change someone is when they're in a diaper. <laughs> that visual. I mean, it's a good thing. And I was talking to my sister later that day when I had read it. And I was like, this is just such a good visual. It's just like bringing it back, you know, reminding yourself that's, that's all you got. It's real. I mean, I just think once I, and Lord knows I tried, but once I really, really learned that I, I there's nothing on earth I can do to change another person. It actually freed me knowing that I have that much power to actually change myself and change my response, change my reaction, change my actions, my choices. That's all we can change. It is. It is. And I think it's a gift to have that information because I think 
when you were describing how you were before you learned about boundaries, I think mm-hmm. that's sort of the script a lot of, especially women are given. Just keep showing up, keep doing your best, don't hurt anybody, help everybody. Yeah. It's sort of what we're, and I feel a, a gentle shift happening in the next generation where kids are learning more about, about setting boundaries and consent. And, but I, I think there's a huge group of people where this is not information they still have. It's definitely not information that they have. And I think that most people relate to boundaries as setting a boundary means I'm mean, or means I'm a bitch, mm-hmm. or means that I'm uncaring or means that I'm selfish, which is, you know, or means all these things. And, you know, I, first of all, I'm on the big bandwagon to reclaim selfishness. I think selfish, self-care and self-love are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that when there is guilt that arises from taking care of ourselves, and this is what is often called mom guilt, you know, Mm -hmm. And I will be the first one to say I'm not a mom, but I coach many moms. Mm-hmm. Um, when, the, when the guilt arises around caretaking yourself, I think it is an indicator that you're on the right track mm-hmm. because we have to, we can't give from an empty well. You know, right. we have to be able to fill ourselves. It's the old, you know, oxygen mask analogy also. Right. And so when I, when I talk about this, I'm really saying, you know, especially if our antenna and attention is outward, you know, clocking and tracking everyone else around us, what does he need? What does she think? You know, what is she, you know, what do they want? You know, all of that to really shift the attention. What do I want? What do I need? What mm-hmm. do I think? Yeah. And to start coming in with, you know, I give myself permission to consider myself and my own needs at least as much as I consider everyone else. Yeah. At least as much. Right. And then being able to go to the place of, I consider my needs more than I consider everyone else. Doesn't mean I don't consider anyone else. I'm just going to consider myself more. And then really I'm going to consider myself first. Mm. So I'm going to check in here first instead of out there to figure yeah. out what I need and what I feel, which is what happens with most people. Right. When what I'm noticing during this time, I think because things have slowed down enough to notice more, it's uncomfortable to notice what's going on inside. And so it kind of, I think sometimes we distract ourselves with busy yeah. with alcohol. Oh, with- we have a lot of avoidance <laughs> strategies. Yes, because it's just really uncomfortable. And I am trying to pay more attention. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And it's, but I, again, I keep going back to what you said is the short term discomfort. Right. Over the long term resentment. Yes. And so when I find myself resenting or angry or, well, they didn't do this. Yep. Bring the finger back to myself. And what do I need to do? But it kind of pisses me off sometimes. I want to stick the finger out sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, but it does, once you kind of move past the annoyance about it, it, it's, yeah. That's where your, like you said, that's where your power is. It's because totally you cannot... where your power is. Yep, exactly. And, you know, that resentment and that anger is a telltale sign that a boundary needs to be set. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything that I have not asked you about that you're hoping 
we could talk about. I feel like we could go on and on. <laughs> I know, me too. I want to do a series about women and um, aging and boundary setting. And like, I just think that there's so much there too. And I mean, women are not the only ones that have this. No, but I will, no, but I will say it primarily women, primarily women don't, don't set boundaries and don't think, you know, don't think we're allowed or don't want to appear a certain way, have more trouble saying no. It is more typically women for sure. Yeah. So maybe I love I can... this idea, women aging boundaries, the whole yes. thing. Yes. Well, cause I'm getting here and I'm realizing there's not enough information out here for us. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's not, I agree. there's information um, about like biology. I, I feel like there's not a good synthesis of all the information. We just need to, I guess we just need to keep talking and then the information will be there you know, or doing the research, doing the conversations. (laughs) Um, So anyway, well, I am just curious, is there any one thing, this is what I'm asking um, my guests on this series. Is there any one thing that you're finding is sort of like your touchstone practice for during this wild ride of COVID-19, something that's helping you stay balanced? Yes. And I'll say, I feel really grateful because what's keeping me, what's keeping me grounded is a practice I've had for a very long time. And so the fact that I have continued it and it carries me is really supportive. And I'll just share that uh, when I go to bed at night and I'm an early to bed, early to rise person, when I go to bed at night, I put my phone into airplane mode. And when I wake, I immediately go to my meditation cushion and sit. And then I write in my journal and I do all of this without the Wi-Fi coming back on. And I don't turn the Wi-Fi back on until later in the morning, once I make my coffee, post-meditation, post-journaling, post-time I've had for myself, Mm -hmm. then I'll turn my Wi-Fi back on and see what's happening. But I love to wake up with no notifications and to get to actually be in my own space. And then I also, uh, I'm a big hiker, so I go out and hike every day. And being able to be out in, I live in Colorado, being able to be out in the mountains makes a big difference. That's awesome. So, you know, if well, I can meditate and I can hike, I'm good. <laughs> I am going to steal your um, idea for airplane yes. mode because it I've been trying to meditate. Changer. Well, I've been trying to meditate in the morning, but I do it by time. And then I look at my phone and then I have all these notifications and I'm like, well, let me just do this. And it just kind of already takes my brain off track. I hadn't even yeah, thought of airplane no, mode. No, just go. Yeah, if you do airplane mode and then I use um, Insight Timer is the is the meditation app that Insight. I use and you okay. don't have to be online for it. Um, no, I'm going to try that tonight actually because that is one of the things that's really, and especially because it is more turbulent times, it's yep. just, you just don't know what's going to be there. And so it's, I, it's I nice know. to just yep. even it out. It, I, I will say I've been doing it for about, four years and it has been a massive game changer for me. All right. I'm going to try that. Well, thank you so much. You are so awesome. And I love your book. I'm going to read some of your other books. You are a very prolific writer. Are you writing else right now? Um, I am not currently working on a book. Although as Wayne Dyer used to tell the story, he'd say like, I'm not, I'm not officially working on a book right now, but I probably am. <laughs> yes, yes. It's all so field that's research. sort of, I think, right. That's yes. sort of where I feel, where I feel um, I am. 
but perfect. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. Thank I love you. talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, I would love if you would leave a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. And you can check us out at familybrainpodcast.com or at familybrainpodcast on Instagram. And we also have a Facebook community, The Family Brain Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.